This week on Geek Explained, with WandaVision kicking into high gear and Valentine's Day coming up, we're taking a look at the long, complicated relationship of Wanda Maximoff and her synthesoid bow, as we Geek Explain Vision and the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Gazana, and today's episode is technically our Valentine's Day special. <laughs> uh, as I'm recording this, Valentine's Day is this weekend, so I thought we'd take a look at one of Marvel's most prominent couples, especially right now with WandaVision going on. Of course, I'm talking about Scarlet Witch and The Vision. We're going to be going over their long, sordid history, both as Avengers, uh, villains, heroes, and of course, as a romantic couple. It is a very interesting story between these two, how they got together, their whole relationship, and kind of where they're at right now. We also have the newest weekly review on the latest episode of WandaVision. I cannot wait to talk about this episode, as well as, of course, this week's Comics Countdown. But before we get into all of that, let's check in with this week's news. All right, guys and dolls, let's talk some news. We've got actually like a lot of news to talk about. Um, I was just like throughout this week, I was like, so basically just thought process here, pulling the curtain back a little bit. Um, when I do the news segment and basically I kind of track it throughout the week and I have a little Google Doc. And anytime that a piece of news comes up that I might want to talk about or that um interests me that I think is worth kind of putting on the podcast I just pop open the Google Doc and I like you know type it up a little bullet point and as the week was going on um, I kept coming back to the Google Doc and I was like this is more often than I oh my god there's a lot of these uh, we have our four categories film TV comics and miscellaneous and we have at least three pieces of news per category so um, this is gonna be a long one so let's just go ahead and dive straight into it uh, starting things off with miscellaneous news uh, three pieces of video game news this week uh, first off a little bit of sad news uh, Ubisoft has announced this past week that the Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake is delayed indefinitely so um we talked about this previously on the podcast when it was announced i absolutely love the prince of persia franchise huge fan of the original games and i was really excited when it was first announced but i had some notes i had some issues specifically just with the graphics um it was originally slated to come out in January, then it was delayed to March, and now in a statement put out on Twitter, uh, Ubisoft has basically said, like, it'll come out at some point, but not anytime soon. So um, I can only imagine the kind of things that they're trying to fix. I mean, God, they're still trying to fix all the issues with uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and there are plenty of those. Um 
but for me, I mean, the the biggest thing that I really wanted them to uh, kind of take a second pass at was the graphics, because we talked about it previously where I was like watching the trailer. It looked like they were PlayStation 3 graphics. And um, I'm hoping that, you know, them taking the time to kind of give it an overhaul. They took the uh, response and the... Um, I guess the feedback from the fans and hopefully when this game does eventually come out, it'll be a great game. Uh, Moving on now, if you are a fan of The Flash and you are a fan of Fortnite, boy, were you excited this past week because uh, Fortnite announced that Grant Gustin's Barry Allen from the Arrowverse will be coming to Fortnite. He'll be joining Stephen Amell's Green Arrow. Uh, This is specifically going to be the season four version of The Flash, the all leather suit. Uh, Not my favorite look of the show, of the Uh, suits that Barry's worn, but I know there are a lot of people who absolutely adore that suit, so I'm sure they are very excited about this. Um, I still haven't, you know, gotten the itch to really play Fortnite. They're trying real hard. Um, They've continually, for the past few years, been adding superhero characters. They almost got me with that Captain America one with the suit that looks better than the uh, actual Avengers game, but... um, I still haven't I haven't caught the urge yet, so we'll see exactly uh, what happens. But if you're a fan of Fortnite, you're a fan of The Flash, good news. And then finally in miscellaneous news, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition has had a lot of talk about it this past week. First off, we got a great reveal trailer, a full-on trailer just showing all of the beautiful new graphics that we're getting. Um, pretty much confirming all the stuff that we kind of knew, graphical updates. Uh, and then we also got some uh, additional details that I'm very excited about. Uh, first off, they revealed that the first game, Mass Effect 1, is getting uh, a pretty substantial overhaul. They're not like remaking the game because that would take a whole lot of time. But they are essentially, from what I understand, going to be bringing it up to at least, you know, somewhere closer to the quality of the second and third games where if if you've played the mass effect games right uh the first game is a large like downgrade from the uh, from the um following games the mass effect 2 mass effect 3 and when they announced this i remember saying like i hope that they pay some attention and you know give some care to this first game because i don't want to replay it if it's going to be the same game just prettier Uh, But it looks like they are doing some uh, big overhauls for it. Uh, The UI is being updated to be closer to Mass Effect 2. Uh, Lots of graphical updates. The Mako apparently has undergone a big big shakeup to make it a little bit easier to, I don't know, play. (laughs) Which is good news for all of us who had to suffer through the uh, first game Mako uh, sections of the game and it looks like they're also bringing the iconic uh, femship uh, appearance from mass effect 3 to the previous two games which is really exciting uh, for those of you who are femship diehards uh, the appearance that she has as the default in mass effect 3 wasn't in the previous two games so now you're going to be able to play if that is your femship if that is your commander shepherd you're going to be able to play with that face all the way through very very exciting stuff um and they've also said that they've redone certain cutscenes. they've streamlined the game uh it looks like they are going to be missing one dlc the pinnacle station dlc from the first game but that's not it i don't remember that being a huge story 
uh, expansion. So I think we'll be okay from there. But I'm very excited about this. We also got a release date. We know that the game is officially releasing on May 14th. So uh, mark it on your calendars. We've got, uh, it's only a matter of time. Clock is ticking. So really excited about that. Going to move right on to comics news, which has the most pieces of news uh, this week. Starting things off with Marvel. Marvel is launching two very exciting books. First off, that seems that they are going to be relaunching the Defenders. No, not those Defenders. Uh, They released what... I'm assuming is going to be the first cover of the upcoming series featuring uh, Dr. Strange, and the masked writer. They're the only confirmed members of the book so far. Uh, other former members, former defenders, no, not those ones, uh, appear in like tarot card form, but we don't know exactly what the lineup is going to be going forward. We don't know a creative team. We don't know a synopsis. We don't know anything. We just know that Marvel is going to be uh, relaunching the defenders in, uh, in the sometime in the summer. So uh, look forward to that. And they also announced Fantastic Four Life Story. Now, if you go back in the feed and you check out our episode on Spider-Man Life Story, that's the episode that I cried uh, talking about a book. Um, I said that this is an excellent uh, filter to put certain comic characters through. Um, I think that the Fantastic Four are one of the just ideal uh, comic book teams, comic book concepts to put through the lens of the life story format. Uh, Watching them go from the 60s, 70s, all the way through is going to be really exciting. I don't know if it's going to be within the same continuity as Spider-Man Life Story. I would have to assume it's not, just because uh, Spider-Man Life Story actually had a lot of Reed Richards involvement in the book, and if they want to kind of be free of those constraints, they'll probably set it in its own... uh, its own continuity which is fine i'm totally okay with that gives them more freedom to tell more stories uh the thing that like initially kind of made me raise an eyebrow was the creative team because this is not going to be done by chip zadarsky and uh mark bagley this will in fact be written by mark russell with art by sean izakse i think i'm sorry i'm trying (laughs) um but i'm a big fan of isaac's art he's gorgeous gorgeous art and mark russell's a solid writer who seems to have a deep-seated love for fantastic four uh they released some preview pages which look great uh i'm really excited about this chip zadarsky has already you know given his consent he's already given his uh what's it called his blessing for them to move forward with it so i'm pretty excited and i'm excited for the future of more characters dealing with stuff like this now jumping over the to the dc side they announced three different uh big pieces of news first off justice league last ride is going to be a digital first series which will then um it's, I think, a 16-part digital series that will then be released in uh, hard copy in eight issues, written by Chip Zdarsky. Uh, looks like the reason he isn't doing Fantastic Four Live Story is because he's doing more DC books, which I can't complain about. So I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, Chip Zdarsky is going to be writing with uh, Miguel Mendoca and Enrica Angelini on art. Mm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, but that's. It seems like this is going to be kind of the uh, the prologue to uh, Future State Justice League because this talks about just like the Future State Justice League book did, um, a betrayal that causes a betrayal or some kind of catas- catastrophic event that causes the team to disband. Looks like the Trinity is of course going to be our POV characters, but very similar to. Um, 
to the supposed reason why in the future state books the justice league is no more so uh we'll see we'll see what this leads to but for now i'm not exactly sure where this fits continuity wise uh speaking of future state they also announced a future state gotham book which looks like it's going to be an anthology series centered around all of the um gothamites all of the uh bat family essentially in the um in the future state line and it's going to kick things off with a six issue red hood story written by joshua williamson with dennis culver and giannis Ma- mm. <sighs> they try to get me every time with this name um i'm, I'm gonna try it uh giannis milo giannis i think that's correct um on art so i'm really excited about this uh it feels weird to me though i'm gonna Give me a second to rant on this because uh, Future State is a weird place because certain things about Future State are being carried over. Yara Floor. Um, I guess that's it <laughs> so far, at least. Um, but also, you know, with this being kind of like a, an alternate world, yet at the same time, the future of this DC universe, yet could also not be. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I think I would be more excited about this if we knew concretely what Future State was. If they said, this is an Elseworlds, I'd be like, okay, I can get invested in Elseworlds stories. I do all the time. But the, um, I don't know, the fluidity of the Future State book is um, concerning to me. So I'm hoping that, uh, that they clear that up before this book comes out. Uh but we'll, we'll just have to see. And then finally in comic book news, DC also announced the full creator lineup for the big Infinite Frontier number zero that's going to be coming out first week of March. Uh, this is supposed to give us pretty much the uh, guidebook on where the DC universe is going to be going forward with when it comes to uh, when it comes to the comics. So uh, I'm going to run down the list so far. So... Um, it looks like we're going to get a prologue written by Joshua Williamson, James Tynion IV, and Scott Snyder, with art by John Timms and Alex Sinclair. Uh, pretty standard stuff. We knew Joshua Williamson is kind of leading the charge here. Uh, we're getting a Justice League story by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by David Marquez and Tamara Bonvillain. Um, we knew this was coming as well. They're kind of taking over the Justice League book, so that's fine. Uh, a Batman story by James Tynion IV, with art by uh, George Jimenez and Tomu Mori. Also, this is the team going forward to the Bat Books, so that's exciting. Uh, Wonder Woman by Becky Cloonan and um, Michael W. Conrad with art by Aletha Martinez, Mark Morales, and Emilio Lopez. Um, Again, this is kind of the team, except I think Travis Moore is going to be taking over art duties for the main book, so I'm not sure why they had a different team, but uh, it's Wonder Woman, so that's exciting. We're getting a Wonder Girl story by Joelle Jones and Jordi Belair. So, um, again, we know that that's coming. Jordi... Um, what's it called? Uh, Joel and Jordy are an amazing team together, so they're going to work magic with this. One that I'm really interested in is Green Lantern Alan Scott by James Tynion IV and Stephen Byrne, big fan of Stephen Byrne's art. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know what this is. Is this set in the past? Is this like old man Alan Scott? Where is the JSA supposed to be at this point? Who knows? Um, but I'm very excited to read this. This should be a good time. Uh, Teen Titans Academy by Tim Sheridan with art by Rafa Sandoval, Jordi Tarragona, and uh, Alejandro Sanchez. Um, I'm still really excited about Teen Titans Academy. This should be a good time. Uh, Superman by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Jamal Eigel and Hi-Fi. Also giving us a preview, I'm sure. Uh, another one that I was kind of out of left field for me was Green Arrow and Black Canary by Joshua Williamson with art by Alex Malev and Jordi Belair. Um, this makes me very excited. Uh, are we getting a Green Arrow and Black Canary book? Who knows? But fingers crossed. Uh, we're also getting a Stargirl story by Jeff Johns, Todd Knock, and Hi-Fi which should be a good time. Jeff Johns has a deep-seated love for that character because he created her. Um, we're getting a Green Lantern story written by Jeffrey Thorne with art by Dexter Soy and Alex Sinclair. Uh, the Flash by Joshua Williamson with art by Howard Porter and Hi-Fi. And it's getting all wrapped up with an epilogue by Joshua Williamson with art by John Romita Jr., Klaus Jansen, and Brad Anderson. So that is the full lineup of creators and stories that are going to be in this book. Lots of exciting stuff. I am... The ones that I'm the most interested in are um, obviously Wonder Girl, but also Green Lantern, Alan Scott, Green Arrow, Black Canary, and Green Lanterns, plural, because of these um, promo images. We got the big splash that's supposed to be like the front and back cover of the book, as well as the variant cover, which shows like Omniversal uh wonder woman with the specter but it's the images that they've released uh from the interiors of the book there's an incredible scarecrow redesign by georgia menez that looks amazing uh we're also getting an image of yara floor at the airport which is fine uh john kent flying through metropolis doing his thing but the one also, we're getting a look at uh, Teen Titans Academy, but the one that makes me very excited, the one that we're getting a preview of and why I'm very excited about the Green Lanterns book or story in this book is the picture that we're getting here. It's got uh, three Green Lanterns in a ship heading towards a planet. I don't know what's going on. It looks like maybe it's Oa. Who knows? Um, but it's got Jon Stewart and Teen Lantern, who we knew was going to be in the new Green Lantern book. But also seated beside them is that Simon Baz? Is that a wild Simon Baz sighting that we haven't seen in God knows how long? Um, this is exciting. I really enjoy Simon Baz uh, for all of the non-stories that he's participated in. I really hope he gets a good, solid story out of this. So uh, that is uh, DC Infinite Frontier number zero, and that is it for the comics news. Hopping over to film news now, we got... Uh, some interesting stuff. First off, uh, some sad news. Disney looks like it's going to be shutting down Blue Sky Studios. They're the animation studio behind uh, Ice Age, Rio, Robots, and my personal favorite, the Peanuts movie. Um, this is sad. This sucks. Um, it's I really enjoy Blue Sky Studios. They have put out quality work over the years. And I don't know. I don't know what this is going to entail uh, for Disney and their animation going forward, but we'll just have to see. Uh, more exciting news, though, is that uh, MC the MCU's Blade finally has a writer for its script, as well as possibly a title. Uh, we found out this past week that uh, HBO Watchmen scribe Stacey Osei-Kufour is going to be writing the script for Blade the Vampire Slayer. I've seen different outlets reporting that this is going to be the title going forward. I've... Disney nor Marvel has really um, uh, confirmed it 
officially, but I think it's pretty cool. Blade the Vampire Slayer makes sense. It's very Buffy the Vampire Slayer vibes, but it also um, sets it apart from the previous films, Blade, Blade 2, Blade Trinity, whatever. Um, so I think this is a good 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 uh development and uh stacy will say kafur if she can bring half of the good ideas that she had for uh, hbo's watchmen i think we're gonna be in uh, a good place for blade the vampire slayer and then jumping over to dc news uh we got our first look at the joker for Zack snyder's the snyder cut coming up next month um it looks fun. It looks much better than the Suicide Squad version. I can tell you that much right now. Um, it's basically black and white. It's showing him uh, with long his Jared Leto hair, long hair, wearing some kind of like you know straight jacket or hospital gown or something. This is apparently supposed to be taking place in a dream sequence of sorts that goes more into the nightmare. Um, timeline where Darkseid wins and I guess he's going to be having a conversation with Ben Affleck's Batman which is apparently according to Zack Snyder the only reason he wanted to include it because he was like oh you know Jared Leto and Ben Affleck never shared the screen together as the characters so I wanted to fix that so good on him for doing that Um, the look is interesting there's no tattoos they removed all the tattoos there's still like scars there Um, and he's kind of giving me uh, the Batman vibes from from that version of the joker that cartoon that was on uh, kids wb um which i like i really dig that version of the joker and if this is kind of leaning more towards that portrayal i'm okay with it but i mean it's it's jared leto's the joker and the snyder cut so it doesn't make me any more excited to see it but it's it's an interesting thing nonetheless and then the one thing in film news that i'm very excited about is we got a trailer for the next dc animated film which is justice society world war Two. um i talked about it when it was first announced and when we first got that um that initial still uh the art did not look good it looked very stiff and i didn't like that but seeing it in motion i'm on board i really dug this trailer uh looks like they're going to be leaning more towards the art style from superman man of tomorrow which is okay i like that art style uh especially in movement uh but it looks really really cool seeing the jsa in world war ii in their element is really awesome the only thing i'm not super stoked about is that apparently the film is going to show barry allen going back in time for some reason to meet with the jsa um i don't we didn't need that i wish this was just a straight jsa movie because the time that we're giving to to future barry allen we could have used for characters that have been omitted from this movie like alan scott green lantern and ted grant wildcat um and you know like most dc stories we don't need barry allen so um oh i know shots fired but i just i don't really know why we needed this you know there it's you know the argument can be made i guess you know oh jsa is not a proven property so they want somebody who you know can bring in mainstream viewers you have wonder woman front and center on the team i don't know what more you need but 
whatever. Um, it's still JSA. You know I'm going to be watching this. You know I'm going to be reviewing it. So uh, just stay tuned for that, I guess. And then finally in TV news, three pieces of TV news I want to go over real quick. Uh, first off, uh, looks like the current shows on the Arrowverse lineup have been renewed for another season. That means The Flash is getting an, uh, season eight. Batwoman is getting a season three. And Legend of Tomorrow is getting a season four five i think i think it's season five um which is cool you know we've had a lot of losses in the past year we had that great little scene with the justice league showing up you know them establishing the hall of justice the round table and everything and now half of them are gone so um we need stability with the arrowverse so i think this is great um and then we also got a a new trailer speaking of the arrowverse for superman and lois which is dropping in just a couple weeks um looks interesting like i said the qual the uh, production quality especially for the cw arrowverse shows looks fantastic uh, looks like we're going to be diving into the whole uh superman hasn't told his kids that he's superman yet which i like i really enjoy uh betsy tulloch and uh tyler Hote hecklin i think is how you pronounce it um as lois and superman we'll just have to see but um finally in uh tv news and wrapping things up here for the news segment we had the Super Bowl this past Sunday, and it was garbage. A garbage game filled with lots of garbage commercials. But one commercial that wasn't garbage was the first big trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or Falwint, as our friends over on the On the Subject podcast have dubbed it. Um, it looks great. I'm very excited about it. Um, I just... It looks fantastic. It looks like they're going back to the uh, the snarky, frenemy um chemistry that uh anthony mackie and sebastian stan had in civil war which i love i loved it absolutely we didn't get to see a whole lot of it whether it was just because they didn't share a whole lot of screen time or whatever in um in infinity war and endgame but i'm glad that we're going back to it it's it's going to be a fun ride the amount of charm that looks like it's going to be on screen is really fun we're getting to see sharon carter again who seems to be on the run uh we're getting baron zemo baron zemo uh u.s agent i'm very excited about it's going to be a great time and if wandavision has told us anything or showed anything it's that they've they've got a handle on this whole D on this whole uh, Disney plus phase four streaming plan. They know what they're doing. So I'm very excited about that. And uh, speaking of WandaVision, we're going to, that's going to lead us right on to the main course, the entree, if you will, as I geek explain the saga of Scarlet Witch and the vision. If you do this, they will never stop being afraid of you. I can't control their fear, only my own.
is in the air. Or it might just be smog out here in L.A. I don't know. But um, this is your, I guess, Valentine's Day special. And it's also our latest installment of our Geeksplain series, where I take a comic book character and I Geeksplain them to you. Uh, we've done characters like Wally West, Black Mask, Kamala Khan in the past. And this time is going to be a little bit different because we are geeksplaining Vision and the Scarlet Witch, going over both of the characters as well as their romantic history together. I'll be giving you a quick rundown of each character, their uh, kind of their first appearance, their powers, backstories, and everything, and then we're just going to dive right into the saga of Vision and the Scarlet Witch because it is a winding tale and not all of it's good. So uh, let's just go ahead and kick things off uh, talking first about the Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch, a.k.a. Wanda Maximoff, first appeared in the X-Men number four way back in March 1964. She's been around for a while, long, long, long while. And of course, because pretty much like every character created in that era, uh, she was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Her team affiliations include the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, the Avengers of both the main Uncanny and West Coast variety, as well as A-Force, the Defenders, no, not those ones, and Forceworks. Her powers and abilities. Okay, so I'm just going to, real quick, uh, normally for characters that we've covered in the past, when it comes to powers and abilities, they're usually pretty straightforward. Wally West runs fast, but, like, it's not as clear, and it's not as well-defined with Wanda Maximoff. Uh, you can kind of, you can kind of categorize her powers as, uh, three different eras of uh of wanda's history when she was first created jack kirby coined her powers as hex powers and just thought that that was a good enough description he's like they're hex powers that's all you need to know <laughs> but um in, in her first appearance and in like kind of the first you know I would say first few years of her as a character, her hex powers kind of manifested themselves as a couple different things, sometimes as energy manipulation, um, but mostly as probability manipulation. So it's like a lot of luck-based stuff, like if they're in a fight, somebody's powers would malfunction, or, you know, she could create shields. It was very inconsistent, and again, not very well-defined. However, once she started studying under the witch Agatha the Harkness, she started to harness the power of chaos magic and became a magic wielder in the Marvel Universe, which is, it's a whole other bag of worms. Um, but this allowed her to kind of focus her abilities and more over, you know, kind of go further into the ideas of, um, of what that probability alongside chaos magic could entail. Uh, a lot of times, again, it was just like working around luck, some kind of energy manipulation at certain points, but it was still sort of undefined. And then it grew to this just exponential like uh, level where it was full-on reality manipulation. And this resulted in stories like House of M, Avengers Disassembled, so on and so forth. But... Uh, at a certain point during the story of the Children's Crusade, which we will get to, don't worry, um, 
her powers were retconned all the way back to chaos magic. So now she's got the chaos magic working through with uh, probability and energy manipulation. So that is Wanda's uh, power set for the um, as as much as I could simplify it. Uh, next up, we have the Vision, aka um, the Vision. Uh, he first appeared in the Avengers number 57 way back in October of 1968, and he was created by Roy Thomas and John Buscema. His team affiliations include the Avengers of the main West Coast AI, Mighty, and New Variety, as well as the Defenders. No, not those ones. His powers and abilities are a little bit more straightforward than Wanda's. Uh, he has superhuman strength, agility, intelligence, and speed. He has the power of flight. He also has what I think is probably the coolest part of his power set uh density control so he can manipulate the molecules in his body to make himself um either like intangible or super heavy allowing him to you know pass through walls or in his like ultimate super move which if one day he will be in a fighting game and this will be his ultimate um where he will fly up to the uh atmosphere uh shift his density as high as it can go and drop down uh, into or onto whatever is under him and absolutely just demolish it. Uh, he also has solar energy projection from the uh, gem on his forehead. I know in the MCU, it's the Mind Stone, but in the comics, it's just a solar energy gem. Yeah, <laughs> he also has uh, limited technopathy or technopathy, however you want to pronounce it, which means he can uh, speak to and manipulate technology and machines of all kinds. And that's pretty much kind of the rundown for these two characters. We're going to do a quick little catch up for backstories on both of these characters, and then we will dive right into their uh, their whole relationship. So. Again, starting things off with Wanda, she was born to Magda and Eric Eisenhart alongside her twin brother Pietro. Now, before we go any further, I know I can hear you, comics fans who are caught up and they know their they know their Scarlet Witch. I know we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to it, but I'm going by the original origins as published in Marvel Comics. Just trust me on this. Bear with me here. Um, basically, uh, Eric and Magda Eisenhart, uh, survived the concentration camps back in World War II and following those events, uh, got married. However, uh, during a scuffle with some local hoodlums, uh, Eric used his powers to brutally kill these guys and out of fear, Magda abandoned him and just went on the run. Uh, little did either of them know that Magda was pregnant at the time, and as she waded through the elements and wandered through Europe, uh, she her pregnancy continued on. And by the time that she arrived at Wondagore Mountain, she was about ready to pop. And that is when she met the High Evolutionary and Bova, the greatest midwife in Marvel Comics. Uh, she's basically an anthropomorphic cow who is also just the kindest soul in the uh, in pretty much Wanda's entire life. Um, but basically, Magda ends up having twins, that being uh, Wanda Max or Wanda and Pietro. However, out of fear that Eric would find her, 
She, after the birth of her children, fled into the night, and we never saw her again. Uh, Bova, after trying to pass them off to uh, the wizard, we're not going to get it. We're not. We're not going to talk about him. Um, eventually brought the children to a local village where she gave them to a young, a young couple named Django and Maria Maximoff. Uh, they basically raised the two children as their own until an accident killed Maria uh, during a mob trying to run their family out of town because they were gypsies. Uh, at this point, Pietro and uh, Wanda abandoned uh, their uh, their father, and they went traveling through Europe. They wandered through Europe until they were found by mutant terrorist Magneto, who um, took them under his care, uh, fed them, clothed them, and eventually brought them into the fold as part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Uh, feeling indebted to him, they helped him battle the X-Men until Magneto was abducted by this cosmic entity called the stranger we're not it's dumb we're not gonna get into it uh, but basically at that point they were like oh well i guess we're done you know we, we we've 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 paid off our debt we're good and so they leave the fractured brotherhood of mutants and they go and join up with the avengers um they pretty much stayed on the Avengers all the way through the Ultron incident where Hank Pym created a murdering homicidal uh, robot that was hellbent on basically destroying all of humankind. Uh, Ultron, to this end, decided that he was going to create his own son in the same way that Hank Pym created him. And so he decided to create his perfect vision for the future. And he created a synthesoid that he would use as a weapon to take revenge on uh, on Hank Pym as well as his wife, Janet Van Dyne. Uh, this guy was basically sent in the Avengers Mansion, tore stuff up, and was basically like, ah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill all of you. But over time, he started to question things. He's an AI, he has free will. So he started to question the motives of Ultron as Ultron had kind of led him to believe that the Avengers were evil. And uh, during this period, Vision uh, learned the truth about his creation. He was, uh, it was revealed to him that he was created through a combination of the brain patterns of Simon Williams, the deceased, the deceased Wonder Man, as well as the body of the original android human torch, Jim Hammond. Uh, after discovering this, as well as the uh, nature of Ultron, Vision betrayed his creator and joined up with the Avengers. And this is where the Vision met the Scarlet Witch. Now, uh, pretty soon after Vision ended up joining the Avengers, uh, he caught the eye and affection of Wanda. And the two of them uh, eventually began to or began a workplace romance. And just like any workplace romance, there was drama almost immediately. Uh, Quicksilver and Hawkeye both objected to the relationship uh, for very different reasons. Quicksilver was super like, he's a robot. You can't date my sister. You're a robot. While Hawkeye wanted Wanda for himself. This is going to become a recurring theme in this story. Just be aware of that. Be aware of Wanda being with the Vision, but other people being in love with Wanda. Uh, it just happens. But eventually, with the consent of the entire team, uh, 
Vision and Wanda continued on their relationship and eventually married in Giant Size Avengers number four, way back in 1975. Uh, married life was pretty interesting for them. Uh, things moved very quickly following their marriage. Uh, Wanda began a uh, tutelage under the watchful eye of Agatha Harkness, who taught her about magic uh, of the chaos variety specifically. And during this time, uh, Wanda was possessed by the demon Chthon. I think I'm saying that correctly. In, I've seen it spelled sometimes as Chthon. I don't know. But I'm going to say Chthon. Uh, following this, she was gifted with a, um, I guess, a natural proficiency with the chaos magic due to her uh, run-in with Chthon. And shortly after this, uh, they were astounded when they were uh, confronted alongside uh, Pietro by Magneto, their former boss, who revealed that he had learned from Bova and the High Evolutionary that he was, in fact, their father. Eric Eisenhart had become Eric Lenscher, who had become Magneto. And he was basically like, I'm your dad, you're coming home with me, and the twins went, uh, No. So they were able to uh, turn back Magneto and remained on the Avengers team. However, following this, following the revelations, all of the magic-y, magic-y stuff, uh, Wanda and Vision decided to take a leave of absence to focus on their marriage and focus on their married life. And during this uh, extended leave of absence, Wanda somehow became pregnant. We don't know how. We don't know why. She just did. And pretty soon after that, uh, Wanda and the Vision gave birth to twins, William and Thomas. If you have been watching WandaVision, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those names might be very familiar to you. And this was kind of their status quo for a while. They were uh, happy. They were raising their, their little babies. But unfortunately, this quiet married life was not going to last very long. As during a mission by the newly formed West Coast Avengers brought them uh, right on the periphery of this happy married life. Uh, they lost two members during a mission and Scarlet Witch and Vision uh, not wanting the West Coast Avengers to be short-staffed decided to join the team on a I guess temporary basis they were like we're gonna help you guys out until you're in a good place and then we're gonna go back to being a married couple this resulted in immediate friction with one of the West Coast Avengers teammates that being the recently revived Wonder Man Simon Williams was bitter as hell um, that the vision was essentially patterned off of him um, just for whatever reason he wasn't mad at Ultron he was mad at vision because he's a he's a dick um, but also partly again because he's a dick he was mad at the vision and was constantly um, in conflict with him because he was in love with Wanda just Check off the bingo card right now. Um, however, even though this was uh, a tumultuous love triangle that was developing, uh, they continued on with the West Coast Avengers until following a, uh, a 
following a successful mission, uh, rogue agents of multiple world governments abducted the Vision because of his potential as a weapon to be used for um, whatever means that they were planning on using him for. And he, and by the time that the West Coast Avengers arrived to the base and found where he was being held, the Vision's body had been dismantled and dissected. Uh, Hank Pym. Uh, who, again, created Ultron, was resolute in trying to rebuild the Vision and basically got like 99% of the way there. But upon realizing the last piece he needed, revealed to the rest of the team that, hey, we need to recopy uh, Simon's brainwaves into this new body so that Vision can come back, you know, just as he was. And like a prick, Simon Williams was like, no. I'm not doing that. I'm not giving him this, you know, I'm not letting him, you know, take my brainwaves again because they took my brainwaves without my consent. And I get it. I get it. It's without his consent, whatever. But he's being super dramatic about it, being like, oh, the first time they did that, they took a piece of my soul and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but really, honestly, he was trying to get with Wanda and he saw Vision as competition because he's an asshole. So uh, Hank soldiered on, and he basically revived the Vision. Unfortunately, this was a pale imitation of the Vision. Like, literally pale, because he was brought back as a just black-and-white version, which was alluded to in uh, Infinity War when Thanos killed him. Spoilers, I guess. Um, But basically, this Vision came back, and he was emotionless, had no memory of his past life, and was essentially a new man or a new machine, or basically a new character. And he relayed this to Wanda. However, Wanda was resolute as well in trying to uh, maintain her marriage. And she kept the faith that eventually his, you know, the her vision, the one that she fell in love with, would come back. Unfortunately, this just wasn't the same guy. He was emotionless. He had no uh, attachment to her or her children. But nevertheless, they continued to try. And this is when we get to a really complicated part of their relationship. It is going to get very strange very quickly. I'm going to try to do my best to <laughs> uh, make this as clear as I can. But if you get lost at any point, don't worry. I am probably going to get lost explaining this. But during this time, while Wanda and the Vision were still serving on the West Coast Avengers, things started to get weird. Uh, while they were, uh, whenever they went on these Avengers missions, they needed someone to watch the children. So they would have different nannies that would come in. But whenever they would come back from these missions, the nannies would all kind of report the same thing. There would be weird instances where the babies would just disappear. They just gone. They would just vanish. And then they'd reappear after a little bit of time. And as this started to, as they started to see a pattern developing, they realized that the disappearances of these children coincided with whenever Wanda wasn't actively thinking about them. Which brings us to two characters that I need to very quickly tell you about. Uh, First off, we have Mephisto. Mephisto is the devil of the Marvel Universe. And I'm not just saying that because, like, oh, he's a dick and he does really horrible things. No, he's the literal devil of the Marvel Universe. And he is known for making deals with people and ruining their lives. 
Which brings us to Master Pandemonium, the other important character in this sorry tale. Where, uh, okay, I'm just going to give you a quick rundown. Master Pandemonium is just the worst. Um, he was a failed actor who, after uh, being involved in a car accident, sold his soul to Mephisto to restore his limbs. However, because, of course, Mephisto's a dick and his deals always come with a price... Uh, Master Pandemonium was basically given this, uh, this ultimatum that Mephisto basically said, Hey dude, so my soul has been fractured because of a run-in with Frank, Franklin Richards. Pandemonium is like, who's Franklin Richards? Um, that's another story for another day. But, uh, he says, you need to go out and find the five pieces, the five fractured pieces of my soul. And then, you know, I'll release you from your, your whatever. What Master Pandemonium didn't realize is that these limbs that, um, that... Uh, Mephisto, I don't know why I lost his name for a second, uh, that Mephisto had given him were, in fact, fragments of Mephisto's soul. So, Master Pandemonium was traveling all over the world searching for these soul fragments and found that there was a strong signal coming from the household of Wanda and the Vision. So, while Wanda and Vision were out on Avengers business, Master Pandemonium kidnapped their babies! Kidnapped Thomas and William, and by the time that the uh, West Coast Avengers were able to catch up to him... They had, oh God, I still, just looking at this, just thinking about this image is, it's, it's terrible. Uh, so they like, they confront him, right? They're in his lair and he's like, got his back to them. And they're like, give us back the children. He's like, I can't. And he turns around and he's got, the babies have become his arms because it's revealed that when Franklin Richards shattered Mephisto's soul because of Wanda's connection to chaos magic and having been formerly possessed by Cthon, two pieces of that fragmented soul went into her and resulted in her getting pregnant, as we can now see. And basically, they it was revealed that the twins were soul fragments of Mephisto, which is why the babies had become his arms. It's, it's so dumb. It's it's bad. It's it's really bad. Like it's bad storytelling. I'm sorry, but uh, following this, uh, they were able to subdue uh, Master Pandemonium, who was like on a power trip because he had multiple soul fragments that he was now in you know in possession of and gave him a huge power boost. But they were able to defeat him when Agatha Harkness made the har- the difficult choice of mind-wiping Wanda's uh, pregnancy and children from her. Basically, basically removed any kind of memory of them from her, and as we saw previously, when Wanda wasn't actively thinking about her children, they vanished. So the, ch- the soul fragments vanished from Pandemonium's grip, and he was able to be defeated. Um, this was a lot, you know, Vision was killed and then brought back as somebody else. Uh, Wanda was being courted by this creep, Simon Williams. And then she just lost her children and now didn't even remember that she had children. So uh, with all of the stress piling up, her and Vision decided to call it quits. Uh, They split up. 
went to different Avengers teams. Vision went to the main Avengers team, while Wanda helped to build Forceworks, which is a team that um, is a team, I guess. Uh, this included members like War Machine, um, U.S. Agent, and others. <laughs> Um, it was during this time as well that uh, Wanda grew closer to Simon. However, because Simon's going to Simon, on the first mission of Forceworks, Simon William died again because that's what he does, uh, leaving her distraught and once again emotionally unstable. Uh, however, uh, due to the Vision working on trying to uh, reconcile with Wanda, even though he was essentially in all but name, a different person, uh, Vision was able to reconcile with Wanda shortly before the Onslaught incident, which resulted in all of the books besides the X-Men being wiped out and rebooted. Uh, following the failed Heroes Reborn initiative, and with all the heroes returning to the Prime Earth, um, Wanda, as part of the main Avengers team once again, was kidnapped by the sorceress Morgan Le Fay. Now, Vision, in an uncharacteristically uh, brash fashion, went after Morgan Le Fay to rescue Wanda, showing hints that maybe the former Vision is still in there somewhere. However, he was brutally dismantled by, uh, by Morgan Le Fay and basically left for dead, causing Wanda to harness the chaos magic that she had accrued and using it to resurrect Simon Williams. Hooray. Um, during this, uh, they're able to uh, defeat Morgan Le Fay, and following this horrendous event, um, the vision was repaired and rebuilt. However, Wanda, during this period, had moved on to Simon. Dick. Anyway, um, but this wasn't all for Vision's relationship. He was able to slowly piece back together his fractured mind, his fractured psyche, and through the help of different scientists, was able to bring back the dormant uh, brainwaves of Simon Williams reuniting him with his former self, turning Vision 2.0, I guess technically into Vision 3.0, combining the one and the two. Uh, he also had a short relationship with Carol Danvers, Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel now, but back then she was Miss Marvel. I think he also had a relationship with Mantis of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So that happened. Um, but basically they were kind of just doing their thing for a while. However, uh, this new piece wouldn't last forever, and after a few years, something went wrong. During a conversation with Janet Van Dyne, uh, Wanda suddenly regained the memories of her children. Uh, just, she did. That, that's just what happened. Uh, not just the fact that she had had children, but all of the unfortunate events that surrounded them, both the marriage to Vision, the fact that her children were actually uh, demon fragments and they weren't real, and this drove her insane. Uh, Wanda wanted to bring her children back, but you can't go to somebody like Doctor Strange and be like, hey, hey, you know how um, I had children that were actually pieces of the demon Mephisto? Can you help me bring them back? You don't go to, like, 
a good person for that. So she went to the only other major magical figure in the Marvel Universe that may have the moral ambiguity to help her, which was Doctor Doom, who's got lots of magic. Um, he promised to help her, but during a uh, ritual to try and bring her children back using uh, a combination of her chaos magic as well as Doctor Doom's own magic... Wanda was merged with an with some kind of mysterious cosmic entity and was driven further into madness by this. The entity manipulated Wanda's um, emotional state into believing that it was the fault of the Avengers for the uh, disappearance of her children and their inability to help her or unwillingness to help her. And so she vowed to take revenge on the Avengers. And so she kicked off this plan by taking control of the Vision and forcing him to crash a Quinjet into the Avengers mansion. Uh, following the just surprise attack, Vision basically let everyone know, like, hey, I'm not in control. I'm being controlled by somebody. You got to stop this. I, I, I can't. And then he proceeded to, like, vomit up like five of these like little silver eggs that turned into Ultron drones. So that's bad. Uh, after being able to fortunately defeat the Ultron drones in her anger, She-Hulk, a member of the Avengers at the time, was just overcome with rage and ripped uh, the Vision to pieces, killing him. During this attack as well, uh, Hawkeye as well as Scott Lang, Ant-Man were killed, though they would be brought back later on. Uh, Doctor Strange was enlisted to uh, figure out what the problem was as it was discerned that there was some magical happenings going on. And upon you know discovering that it was Wanda behind all of the uh, attacks and death, Doctor Strange was able to subdue her and turn her over to Magneto, who arrived to take care of his daughter, take her back, and hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, put her on the road to recovery. However, the uh, superhero world had been kind of shaken by not only this betrayal, but by uh, Wanda's mental instability. And so during a summit between the Avengers and the X-Men over the fate of Wanda, the idea came up that maybe we need to take her off the board uh quicksilver who was a member of either one or both of these teams at the time uh overheard this and immediately zipped over to uh where wanda was staying and revealed to her like they're gonna kill you like we have to figure something out and wanda in a moment of clarity basically said to him like maybe i deserve it maybe like i am too unstable to be kept alive and quicksilver not wanting to watch his sister be murdered was basically like no we can't do this we're gonna find another way and you know what you can do maybe since your powers have evolved to the point that you can manipulate reality you can take this broken scarred world and turn it into a world where everyone gets their heart's desire that way they wouldn't be able to even worry about all the stuff that you know you've done and at the urging of quicksilver wanda warps reality giving us 
the House of M event. Uh, this was basically everyone gets their heart's desire. It's a whole brand new world. Um, but certain characters do remember the reality from the past. I love this event. It's so freaking cool. Um, quick shout out to Owen Likes Comics on YouTube who did an amazing breakdown of the whole event. Wonderful stuff. Go check it out if you want more information on that. Um, basically, everyone was mind wiped from the uh, original timeline, but certain characters like Wolverine, Hawkeye, etc. were able to retain their memories and through the use of a new mutant, they were able to restore the memories of multiple other superheroes and they made an assault on the House of M uh, because they believed that Magneto was in uh, was responsible for making Wanda do this to reality because in this uh in this reality mutants were the dominant species and they were kind of ruled over by magneto so um upon upon arriving and subduing uh magneto and wanda it was revealed that it was quicksilver's fault and upon hearing this magneto brutally killed his son uh just burying him under rubble and metal and just terrible stuff just crushing the life out of him uh in response wanda not only resurrected pietro but also whispered those three magical words no more mutants causing the decimation event that wiped out and depowered 90 percent of the world's mutant population uh, this is something that would weigh on her very heavily, but upon bringing the uh, original reality back, Wanda was missing. They didn't know where she was. Um, no one knew exactly what was going on, and they eventually found Wanda back in Wondagore. However, apparently due to the stress of all the events and her mind kind of breaking, uh, Wanda had no memories of anything. Her time with the Avengers, her time as a mutant, nothing. So they, you know, the Avengers and the X-Men decided to leave her be. And that was kind of the status quo for a while. Wanda faded out of uh, out of the spotlight and was on her own, living her amnesiac life in Wondagore. Until she was contacted by two members of the Young Avengers. Quick recap, Young Avengers, essentially Marvel's Teen Titans... Uh, sidekicks, characters inspired by heroes, characters like Patriot, Kate Bishop Hawkeye, Hulkling, um, came together to be, like I said, Marvel's Teen Titans. But two members specifically were very interesting upon their reveal and their inclusion on the team. That being Wiccan and Speed, two characters from two separate homes named Billy Kaplan and Tommy Shepard, who had never met before in their entire lives, but noted that they were identical. Like, not in that way that, like, everybody has, like, a twin who's completely unrelated to them. It was identical twins. And they found out that they were separated at birth and they were long-lost brothers. After doing some research as well, uh, Billy and Tommy, William and Thomas, 
for those of you who haven't gotten it yet, um, also started to do some research into who their parents might be. And Billy, growing up, had always been a huge fan of the Scarlet Witch. And when his powers manifested that seemed very oddly similar to the Scarlet Witch, he modeled himself after her, which is where he picked up the Wiccan, um, the Wiccan codename. Tommy, as well, was a basically a mini Quicksilver. Super speed, silver hair, the whole deal. And they began to wonder if there might be a bigger connection between them and the Maximovs. And upon doing further research and learning about the saga of Vision and the Scarlet Witch, learning about their twins, how they were wiped from existence, they were convinced that they were Wanda's children. And so they basically went on a globe-hopping journey to meet her. Uh, This caught the attention of not just the Young Avengers, but the Avengers team as a whole, because they thought if these kids remind Wanda of who she is, we might be in some major trouble here. Uh, During this uh, journey for them to meet up with Wanda, they clashed with Master Pandemonium! Yep, Pandemonium's back! And he's still the worst. He's still awful. Uh, They were able to subdue him and successfully link up with Wanda. And after the Young Avengers arrived and they were brought through some time travel shenanigans, thanks to Iron Lad, uh, the future um, Kang the Conqueror one day, uh, Wanda was, her memory was restored. However... This came with some complications because, you see, during the time that she was an amnesiac, when uh, Billy and Tommy met up with her, Wanda was engaged to one Dr. Doom, who's just a dick. Terrible Dr. Doom. Terrible Victor. Um, And he knows. He knows better. Just, anyway. um, Basically, Wanda having had her memories restored and realizing that these kids are essentially the reincarnated versions of her original children. Wanda imprints on them immediately and they, you know, embrace. However, uh, Wanda also now remembers the decimation. And so she pleads with Doom for whatever reason, once again, to help her try and make things right. So they do a ritual where once again, something goes wrong and Doom basically steals Wanda's reality warping abilities, depowering her and retconning her back to her original chaos magic form. Um, Thankfully, Wanda and Wiccan teamed up and used their combined powers to strip uh, Dr. Doom of his reality warping abilities, sending them off into the vast reaches of the cosmos, and they were able to uh, unite as a family and defeat Dr. Doom. Uh, but I know you're asking, hang on, we've been, we've been, we've been, it's been a little while since we've, since we've talked about Vision. What happened to Vision? Well, he's been dead the whole time, but during an event called Fear Itself, don't, you don't, don't read this. It's, it's, it's not worth it. It's fine. It's fine. It's not good. It's fine. Um, The Vision was rebuilt by Tony Stark, giving him some upgrades. uh, And following this event, he rejoins the Avengers. But he's got an axe to grind. Um, He first goes to uh, Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk, and tells her that he forgives her. You know, he basically says, like, you did what any of us would do in the situation. I was a danger to myself and everyone around me, so I get it. However... 
he wasn't as forgiving to the other person who was involved in that event. And when he arrives at Utopia to uh, confront Magneto and demand to know where Wanda is, he and Manda, he and uh, Magneto have a bit of a tussle. Magneto eventually overpowers him because, you know, metal. Uh, but he spares his life, saying that Wanda probably still loves you, and I'm just going to let that go. Uh, Wanda, during this whole time, following her uh, being... Uh, having her memories restored and I guess uniting with uh, Tommy and Billy decided to stay in Wondagore wanting to kind of stay out of the spotlight you know I've had enough of this life I just want to live a normal life for now Uh, so during this time uh, the vision is brought back after uh, after having that confrontation with Magneto and is uh requested by Captain America to rejoin the Avengers, which of course he does, because when Captain America asks for a favor, you do it. Uh, This brings us to the next big event, uh, Avengers vs. X-Men, and look, I know it's not a good event. I recognize that, but I really enjoy it. It's a a guilty pleasure of mine. I like it. It's dumb, but I like it. Uh, But during this, basically run down Avengers vs. X-Men. Phoenix Force is coming back. Looks like it's uh, seeking out Hope Summers, who is this mutant messiah. Um, And the X-Men and the Avengers disagree on what to do about that situation. So they fight. And the Avengers uh, go to recruit Wanda, because she's more of an Avenger than she is an X-Man, I guess. Uh, And Wanda reluctantly rejoins the Avengers. However... This proves to be a problem because this is Wanda and the Vision reuniting for the very first time since she manipulated him into his death during the disassembled storyline. And upon meeting each other again for the first time, Vision uncharacteristically lashes out at her, basically blaming her for his death, telling her that her manipulation of him was a betrayal and that he could never forgive her. Uh, Wanda is escorted out in tears by uh, Carol, and Vision turns and sheds a tear of his own. However, the two of them continue to work on the Avengers team during this whole uh, Phoenix Force kerfuffle. And at the end of the story, Wanda and Hope are able to temporarily destroy the Phoenix Force, as well as kickstart the repowering of mutants, just popping up mutants all over the place uh, to offset and restore balance to what Wanda had done during the decimation. However, Wanda, realizing that she wants to stay on the Avengers, uh, is too much for the Vision, who leaves the Avengers, but does visit Billy after hearing about the events of the Children's Crusade. Uh, Wanda, following this event, joins the Avengers Unity Squad, which is a team made up of X-Men and Avengers uh, members. Vision goes on to establish Avengers AI with Hank Pym and is reunited with his brother Victor Mancha. We've talked about him. We've talked about him. Things go wrong. Uh, The Avengers AI is eventually disbanded. But that brings us to the next big bad event uh which is axis don't read this just don't read it it doesn't don't read it um it you know you do get superior iron man out of this which is fantastic it's awesome 
but you could just there's a lot of things going on and you just kind of infer that he's evil just just don't read this but during this event uh, it was revealed that Wanda and Pietro are actually not Magneto's children and Following this, they decide to travel to Counter-Earth to question the High Evolutionary about this revelation. During this visit to him, he reveals to them that they are not, in fact, mutants, but they are enhanced humans that he experimented on and that they are actually the children of the Maximovs. The Avengers follow the twins across the uh, Earth lines and they help them defeat the High Evolutionary and return to Earth. However, this whole identity crisis between both Vision and Wanda um, impacts them in different ways. Uh, Wanda decides to leave the Avengers once again to explore uh, her past, while Vision uh, decides to rejoin the Avengers. And in this kind of pa passing ships, in ships passing in the night, uh, they have one last reunion before they both depart, where... Um, Wanda gives Vision a present and it is revealed to be a gem kind of similar to uh, Vision's own where she reveals to Vision that she had imprinted her own brainwaves onto this because she had effectively moved on but she knew that the Vision deserved better and so she kind of gave him this gem to be like maybe you can make your own you know perfect soulmate and so wanda leaves the avengers vision rejoins the avengers but unfortunately it's discovered that his whole impetus for joining the avengers is due to manipulation and being um controlled by kang the conqueror thankfully this deception is revealed uh his influence is purged from the vision and he is able to rejoin the avengers full member which brings us to the visions of virginia this is tom king and gabriel walta's uh vision series we did a whole episode on it um check that out if you want to learn the full story i won't rehash that here but they do have a quick reunion to uh, Wanda and the Vision at the end of the story when Vision is trying to uh, kill somebody. No spoilers. Um, Wanda reunites with him and they have kind of a tender moment together before uh, tragedy strikes. Uh, and there's also an entire issue kind of dedicated to their relationship, which is just lovely it's a wonderful issue check it out check out the whole series uh but during this time while all this is going on with the vision scarlet witch is seeking out her own legacy and trying to figure out what you know her path is by going back to retrace her lineage so this is kind of spurred on by a falling out with pietro due, due to their um opposing views on the second superhuman civil war um they have a big falling out. Wanda never says that she never wants to see him again. And then she goes back and reunites with the ghost of Agatha Harkness, who had died at a certain point. Um, Wanda, in hopes of trying to discover more about her parentage and about why she has the powers that she has, uh, starts traveling the globe, trying to figure this out. And her journey brings her to Serbia, where she learns of her true parentage and that she's actually not the daughter of Django and Maria Maximoff, but actually the daughter of Natalia Maximoff, who was thought to be her aunt. 
Uh, she also finds out that she was dis- she is basically descended from a line of witches and warlocks, all harnessing their own um, relationship with chaos magic. Uh, she finds out that Natalia was the Scarlet Witch before her. Her grandfather was the Scarlet Warlock, so on and so forth. And it is revealed that the whole reason why this had been kept a secret from her is because Natalia was being hunted when... After shortly after she gave birth to the twins, uh, she was being hunted by the High Evolutionary and his Knights of Wondagor. And during a battle to protect these children, Natalia was killed. But the High Evolutionary, I guess, like, touched or, like, he's like, oh, you tried to save your children. That's cute. Basically, like, promises or makes a vow to return the kids to uh, Django and Maria Maximoff after he finishes experimenting on them, which cool, bro. You still, you're still awful. But uh, she finds this out and also comes into contact with the pure manifestation of chaos, which is also implied to be that mysterious cosmic entity that drove her insane and, you know, resulted in the events of Disassembled and House of M. And she is able to come to grips with her past as well as carve a path for her future by defeating the manifestation of chaos alongside the spirits of Agatha and Natalia and with a last-minute save from Quicksilver, with the two shortly reconciling afterwards. Um, Pretty much after this, uh, Wanda rejoins the Avengers on a kind of a reserve capacity and that's really where vision and wanda are at right now um they've kind of crossed paths here and there during some modern stories uh they reunited on the same avengers team during secret empire as part of the hydra avengers because vision was infected by a virus uh made by arnim zola and uh wanda was possessed by kathan again um, so they are on the same team. Uh, they also uh, crossed paths during the No Surrender and No Road Home stories where they were on different teams and they were able to uh, be part of those crossovers. And then during Empire, probably the most recent event, uh, Wanda had a very interesting story where she was, I guess, uh, wrought with guilt over the things she had done. And so she spends like a year you know, finding mystical artifacts and tries to, I guess, revive all of the lives lost on Genosha. Unfortunately for her, she didn't realize that Krakoa was going on because they have essentially, like, cut all ties with her because she's not really a mutant anymore. Um, it's dumb. It's it's dumb. It's really just... Just retcon it. It's fine. Like, this was basically what happened was Axis came out around the same time that Age of Ultron was coming out, where we had uh, two Quicksilvers in both Age of Ultron and uh, Days of Future Past, and one Scarlet Witch in the MCU. And they decided, well, because we can't call them mutants because we don't own the rights to the X-Men, they are now just humans that were experimented on. So we are going to reflect that in the comics. And I'm so glad we're, we're past that for the most part, that kind of like dick measuring contest between studios. It still happens here and there, but um, just just retcon it because it just, they it makes more sense when they're mutants who were the children of Magneto. Just figure it out, Jonathan Hickman, just figure it out but anyway um 
Wanda, I guess, tries to resurrect Genosha, um, but in Krakoa, she's known as, like, the Great Pretender, and she's this, like, kind of, like, boogeyman figure, which is super cool, and I really dig that idea of it. But just pay that off with them being revealed to be real mutants. Anyway, um, Wanda tries to resurrect Genosha, but because of the resurrection protocols in Krakoa, most of them have been revived already on Krakoa, and so she ends up just raising an entire, like, population of zombies. And it's, it's terrifying. But uh, through the help of Doctor Strange, they're able to contain the zombies on the dead island of Genosha, and after 30 days, they all crumble to dust again. So that is really where they're at. Um, we're going to roll right on to some recommended reading, uh, some books that I think you should absolutely read if you're interested in learning more about these characters or reliving some of their famous uh, events. So I'm going to do this basically kind of like in chronological order for their timelines. So if you read all of these in succession, you'll have a full and uh, complete timeline for them as characters. First one I want to recommend is Vision and the Scarlet Witch, the Saga of Wanda and Vision. This is a complete collection on Amazon. All of these, I kind of wrote these out in a way that if you just uh, type the titles as I'm telling you them in the Amazon search bar, you'll be able to find them no problem. But basically, Vision and the Scarlet Witch, the Saga of Wanda and Vision, uh, is a compilation of all of their classic stories, the uh, Vision and the Scarlet Witch uh, miniseries that kind of contained all of their marriage and them, you know, having classic Avengers and West Coast Avengers stories. And I think Vision Quest might be in that. That's when Vision gets abducted and we get Vision 2.0. Um, but yeah, it's a great classic uh, story, and you get to see them fall in love, which is really nice. Uh, the next one is kind of a two-parter. I normally try to keep them as their own bullet points, but these two kind of go hand in hand. Uh, it's Avengers Disassembled and House of M. They're really kind of a one-two punch of a story. Um, for all of the reasons that I listed. If you read them back to back, it's very, like, it, it just, it's like no time has passed. But um, after this, uh, Avengers The Children's Crusade. I cannot recommend this story enough. It is fantastic. I, I really dig the Young Avengers. If you want me to do an episode on the Young Avengers, tell me. Let me know. On Twitter, Instagram, through our mailbag, tell me. And I will do an episode on the Young Avengers, because I love them so much. Um... Anyway, uh, Avengers of the Children's Crusade is a wonderful story. It also is incredible catharsis if you've been, if you were following along with Wanda's story from beginning all the way to here. It's a fantastic story. Check it out. And then uh, finally, the two pieces of uh, modern Vision and Wanda stuff is, of course, The Vision by uh, Tom King, Gabriel Walta. Again, I did a whole episode. The book's fantastic. They have a complete collection, which contains all 12 issues. Read it. It's great. Uh, and then the Scarlet Witch uh, solo series by James Robinson. If you just type in Scarlet Witch by James Robinson, they have a complete collection. Um, it's good. Uh, it basically recounts all of uh, Scarlet Witch, like looking up her family, battling with the chaos, uh, all of that stuff. It's a great character study on Wanda. Really, really good stuff. Uh, the art uh, varies throughout, but it's 
usually pretty solid. Uh, and it's a good story for Wanda if you want to learn more about her and kind of find out where, where her status quo is for current Marvel comics. And the last piece of recommended reading, or I guess in this case recommended viewing, it's WandaVision, man. WandaVision has been so good. It's so freaking good. Especially after this last episode, it has jumped up from like recommended to must watch. If you want to know what's going on with Vision, Wanda, and the greater MCU as a whole going forward into Phase 4, you need to watch this show. I'm serious. So, um, yeah. It's it's amazing. It's really, really great. Uh, the effects are great. Paul Bettany and... Um, oh, my God. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Why did I forget her name? That's awful. Um, but Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen are putting in the work of their careers, the performances of a lifetime. So check it out. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, the Vision and the Scarlet Witch are incredible characters who work very, very well together. It's only a matter of time in the comics till they're brought back together they work too well and with all the history behind them it makes so much sense and with wandavision going on right now like you know that's going to bleed into the comics pretty soon here and speaking of wandavision It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now we are reviewing episode five of WandaVision. And I'm going to pull the curtain a little bit back here. Um, I am actually recording this super early uh, because I just watched the WandaVision episode this morning and I have to talk about it. I have to talk about it. So I'm recording this ahead of anything else for the podcast. I just... Oh, man, this episode. I have some feelings. I'm very much in my feelings about this right now, and I need to, I just I need to talk about it. So um, this episode, kind of getting back into our regularly scheduled broadcast, uh, is jumping into the 80s-style sitcom, stuff like Full House, Roseanne, and the like. And um, I think it's kind of funny that we're doing like a, a Full House homage with the whole Olsen twin connection of course Elizabeth Olsen who plays Wanda Maximoff is the younger sister of the Olsen twins who made their debut in Full House uh I'm I'm sure you know all of that but I just I think it's I think it's funny and clever and uh this marked the return of the commercials specifically we got a paper towel commercial for Lagos brand paper towels and you already know where this is going um this is continuing on the um kind of the uh, theme of all of these commercials tying into different points of Wanda's history. This one, it looks like they're kind of skipping over like anything Ultron related, though I guess it could be. I don't know, really. No, it's a, you don't really get a whole uh, Ultron reference for any of the commercials. So we're kind of skipping over Ultron himself and diving straight into Civil War with the Lagos brand paper towels. Of course, Lagos was the place that the incident happened that kicked off the whole film as well as the Sokovia Accords. I absolutely love these commercials. They're so dumb, but they have so much subtext in them. And I, for this one, I loved the... Uh, the little tagline for it, the button, which was Lagos paper towels for when you make a mess, you didn't mean to. 
it's oh my god it's it made me cringe in like a good way i'm like oh because you know exactly what that means you know exactly what that means one is involvement with lagos the whole deal so again hats off to the writers hats off to the showrunner um such good stuff in this but this kind of marks a new uh path for the rest of the series i'm sure this is going to be what we see for the rest of the episodes the first at least the first three were very much focused on what is inside the westview bubble while episode four was entirely what's outside of the westview bubble and now this is both what's on the inside and on the outside so i'm going to divide those up uh between them in their own little sections so on the inside we're back to our 80s style uh sitcoms the twins, I have it in my notes here, they grow up so fast, and during the course of this, they age twice. They go from babies at the very beginning of the episode to like four to five years old, uh, and then finally to ten years old when they are told that they can't have a dog until they turn ten. So they age themselves up. They definitely have some magical properties because, of course, Wanda. Um, but this also brought us Sparky. Uh, I loved this inclusion. It's, again, a throwback to the Vision uh, graphic novel, the Vision Maxi series. Check out our episode on that if you haven't yet. I love it. Um, and I will say for a moment there, because the dog is like just going around the house and you hear like the sparks go off. And I'm like, oh, man, the dog's going to die. and We're going to get that synthesoid dog. Uh, but no, it's just the little outlet shorted out. And then, unfortunately, they did uh, lose Sparky during an incident that I'm about that I will be talking about in just a second. Uh, and then he dies from uh, eating or getting into Agnes's azalea bush. Uh, this is also a really interesting moment where the kids seem to have a uh, a handle or an understanding on what is going on inside the Westview bubble, where they're like, fix him. Like, you can fix it. You can fix the dead. And there's a moment where she's like, what? And you can kind of tell that Wanda's slowly starting to unravel. The whole um, idyllic illusion is starting to unravel the reality that she's built for herself. And she's starting to lose control over the little things. Um, this was first... Oh, man, that's so good. Uh, the, it was kind of first hinted at at the very beginning of the episode when Agnes shows up, like she always does. But um, she goes, she's in her she's in her character and then um vision's like oh maybe not like don't 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 touch my babies and then there's this awkward this long awkward pause that like made me kind of sit up a little straighter when watching it i'm like wait a second and she goes and she looks directly at wana she's like do you do you want me to take that again should i just start from the top and it's like this weird like um it's it feels like an outtake it feels like, oh, man, like they screwed up the take. They're going to try it again. Um, and I absolutely dug it. I really, really did. And it's like right after that, like she and Wanda act like nothing happened. But Vision is like, what? What was that? Um, and I love it. And I think it's very interesting that Agnes can actively break character while no one else has been able to so far. Uh, we did see with Herb in, I want to say, episode three, that he broke character a little bit, but it was only when he was interacting with Agnes. So I don't know if that's something specific we're just going to have to keep an eye on. But I think it's very telling that Agnes is the only one who can actively break character um, when she does. It was very, very cool. 
Uh, and this was shown when um, the the email happened, when Vision is once again back at work, and he's interacting with Norm, and they're dealing with the new, you know, space-age, 80s technology, everyone getting computers for the first time. Um, and they get an email. Like, they almost intercept an email between uh, S.W.O.R.D. where they're talking about the Maximoff anomaly and all this stuff, and Vision-like, I guess, awakens Norm for a moment. He's like, I need to find my sister. Like, she won't let us go. Like, please help us, help us, help us. And then Vision, like, zaps him back. And he just, like, acts like nothing's happened. And it's like, whoa, I don't I don't like this. Uh, meanwhile, on the outside, Monica's getting some tests done. And it's very interesting. Her tests are inconclusive. Like, she gets an x-ray done, and it's just, like, bright light. So I... Um, and I'm sure other people are thinking already that she is, um, she's been affected by Wanda. Like, I think that because she, I mean, she's Captain Marvel, for God's sake. Um, she is going to start developing powers very soon. It was also really interesting. They mentioned Captain Marvel and she seemed, um, bothered by it. Like she, I don't know. And, and I'm sure that's going to come up in Captain Marvel too. Maybe like she feels like she abandoned her or whatever, but thought it was very interesting. They also kind of revealed that Wanda broke into a sword facility and took Vision's body nine days prior to the events of this episode. So um, I don't know if we can say, like, you know, how many days have passed um, since the season started. It has to be have been a few days, but it's very, very interesting. And this is also during the time when we start to see that something's up with Hayward. Like, he's got ulterior motives. And Darcy actually uh, made a great, great call that made me, as a, as a comic book fan, very, very happy. And that she's calling Wanda's new abilities because they're saying, like, she, she has, you know, very mild telepathy for, like, illusions. And then... Um, uh, telekinesis like she's never like had something that can actively rewrite reality and then darcy coins it as hex magic from the hexagon shape and i think ah oh, i i love that i they find a way and this is what marvel does so well just in general they find a way to take comic book um uh comic book characters, comic book concepts, and they find a way to make them align with their real-world takes on the characters and the and the universe. And I I just I dig it so much cuz Wanda's powers in the comics is has been uh referred to multiple times as hex magic. Like she's a witch, she deals with probability and rewriting it's it ah, oh, I love it so much. Um but we kind of furthered the Hayward plot line when uh um, what's it called? Uh, Monica is able to fly an 80s drone into the bubble because she, along with uh, Jimmy and Darcy, figure out that if something comes from the era that Wanda is currently playing through, it can go, it can get through without being changed in any way. And so she flies an 80s drone into there and then loses control once Wanda steps out of the house and it locks onto her, and Hayward tries to fire on her like a missile. And then we just see, like, the uh, the feed break, and then we get the moment, for me at least, uh, where Wanda, like, all the, up till this point, we get the most satisfying moment in the series where Wanda steps out of the bubble. 
and everyone's like the alarms are going off all the soldiers like go to the border and you see this like red static effect that's happening on the bubble and you see wanda just walk out dragging this drone that she is just absolutely wrecked and she's just like yeah this is yours and then she tosses it at the feet of hayward and the accent's back. Like, this is real-world Wanda. So she's got her Sokovian accent. Um, I don't know why I just went, like, what was that, Irish? I don't know what it was. But uh, she's got her accent back. She's got her um, her Avengers garb on. And she's just like, don't come near me. Like, you leave us alone. We'll leave you alone. I have my bubble. I have my home. If you keep trying this, please test me. And, I, and it is not going to end well for you. And, like... You know, Monica tries to reason with her, and she's like, what do you want? And Wanda's like, I have everything I want, like, and I'm not letting it go, so you need to get over yourself. And then she uses her magic to turn all of the guns that are trained on her to Hayward, and she just, like, walks back, walks back into her bubble. Such a cool scene. Just that amazing standoff. It's one of the best Wanda scenes we've gotten in the entire MCU. Followed up by this fantastic argument scene. The confrontation between Wanda and Vision. Because Wanda comes back. Vision, uh, after you know finding out that the dog died. Uh, all of these little things happening throughout the episode. Where Vision is finally starting to really notice how wrong things are. He's just like we need to figure this out. And Wanda's like, no, like, we're just going to go to bed. And this moment kind of reveals to us that Vision notices the changes from decade to get decade from episode to episode because he says no like we're gonna go to bed and like the credits are rolling i love it uh he's like no like oh we're gonna go to bed so you can just remake everything when we wake up again like he's noticing things and he's gaining sentience and he's telling wanda like and i i love absolute everything that elizabeth olsen and paul bettany are doing in this episode was absolute gold just gold all around bar none like they are the powerhouses carrying this series and this argument where like vision is like you don't get to decide that for me like i don't know who i am i don't remember anything before westview which is very uh very important like he doesn't remember anything uh prior to wandavision starting up and he's like i'm scared and they have this conversation where they're just like you know She's like, you're my husband. Like, do you have to be anything else? And I just, uh, I've, I've loved it so much where they, like, he's basically saying, like, confronting her with, like, are you running things? Like, do you, are you controlling this? And she's like, I don't know what you want me to do. And then all of a sudden the doorbell rings. And I just thought when it happened, I was like, oh, it's, it's Agnes again. She's stepping in because she seems to pop up whenever she's quote unquote needed. Um, but they hung on it for a little bit and I'm like, like, Agnes usually just walks into their house. So I was like, it's somebody else. And then Wanda walks up to the door and she opens it up and her eyes widen. And I'm like, wait a second. Because they do reference earlier in this episode when she's telling um, Billy and Tommy, like, you guys are brothers. That's all you have. And they're like, do you have a brother? And she's like, I do. He's really far away and it makes me sad sometimes. Um,. And everybody's just like, apparently like on the outside, alarms are blaring again. They're like, what is going on? And Darcy comes and looks at the monitor and her eyes widen. And as we cut back to Wanda, this was the the moment that broke 
the show, the MCU, Mar- I don't know what, but like it pulls back and there's a silver haired man standing in her doorway. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. We're doing this. This is great. And then it flips perspective and it's not Aaron Taylor Johnson's Pietro. It's Evan Peters' Pietro from the X-Men Cinematic when I I can't I have to tell I'm still in my feelings about it like I jumped I hollered I was beside myself like because I had heard the rumors like oh man Evan Peters is gonna be in the show and I'm like okay they're gonna I don't know what they're gonna do but seeing him there in his silver-haired glory, and he's like, what, you know, and he's got that, you know, Uncle Joey from Full House thing going, where he's like, what, you know, I can't see my baby sister, oh, man, I just, oh, and they even, they reference it, too, and this, again, genius, where Darcy's like, she recast Pietro, like, it's so self-referential, and it's so, um, what is the word, um, aware of what it's doing. And I love every single bit of it. Um, he steps in and he and he gets this killer line where he looks at Vision and he's like, who's the popsicle? Like, immediate, like, that's clearly... And it's not just like, oh, you know, Evan Peters is playing, you know, now an MCU Pietro. That is very clearly the Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, like... Um, Dark Phoenix, that's that Pietro. The mannerisms, the way he's holding himself, something has happened here. Something has happened here that is going to be carrying through for the rest of the MCU going forward, and I cannot wait for next week's episode. I am buzzing about this. And I just... Oh man, this is this is wonderful, and th- it calls back to that moment when uh, they found Sparky dead, and her you know her boys are like, "You can fix the dead," and it's you know Wanda's fractured mind saying, "I can't bring my brother back, so I'm going to make a new one," and it just, oh man, I am, I am so so freaking stoked about this. This has gone from like. I'm recommending you should watch this to you must see this because this is fundamentally changing what we know, not just about Wanda, but about the MCU going forward. And this is going to be, oh man, this is the start. This is the start. This is the spark that is going to light the flame of what the MCU is going to be going forward. So if you haven't watched this, um, first of all, I'm sorry for spoiling the biggest thing that's happened in the show so far, but um Oh, man, I'm so excited about this. But uh, tune in with me next week where I am going to be going over episode six. I am hyped beyond anything. I am over the moon about this. Uh, But for now, for now, uh, we're going to roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. Ooh, welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, on Comixology, or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, let's take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explain Pick of the Week of last week. And it's Far Sector. It's Far Sector number 10. I knew it was going to be, but I didn't realize how good it was going to be. Guys, gals, I'm telling you, if you are not reading Far Sector, 
do yourself a favor. Go back, collect the first nine issues, collect last week's issue number 10, and marvel at the amazing story of Joe Mullane. It is such a great story. Um, and there's a conversation, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a conversation in this in this most recent issue that is just everything. It's topical, it's relevant, it's heroic, it is what makes me want to see more of Joe Mullane in the greater DC universe. Just all around, just a fantastic story. I can't I can't talk about it enough. The writing by N.K. Jemison is amazing. The art by Jamal Campbell is absolutely out of this world. It is fantastic. Read this book. But that's last week's books. Let's talk about this week's books. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, eight books for you to peruse this week. It's slowly starting to slow down. We're getting towards the, uh, we're nearing the end of uh, Future State. So be on the lookout for an episode near the end of this month, if not the beginning of next month, where uh, we might be doing a whole roundup of uh, Future State stuff. But for now, we're going to dive right into this week's books. I will be talking about each book's title, creative team, and synopsis. And of course, the synopses will be accompanied by my synopsis voices. So let's go ahead and kick things off with Future State Superman Wonder Woman number two. This is written by Dan Waters with art by Leila DeLuca. I will say um, the art threw me off a little bit uh, last issue because, like, you look at the covers and they're very, very good Lee Weeks covers, and the art is very different on the inside. Not that it's bad. I'm not going to say that it's bad or anything close to that, but it's a little bit of a culture shock for me. Uh, the story is fine, um, something that it it's definitely taking place further along the timeline than many of the books that are going on in this uh, Future State event, but I'm very interested to see how they wrap this up so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here our heroes have challenged the gods themselves to a test of bravery for the fate of the earth but gods are notorious cheaters and with superman's powers and flux it falls to wonder woman to face down the sun itself a utopian future awaits but only if a kryptonian peacemaker and an amazon warrior can put aside their differences to become the world's finest heroes so I like that they're kind of going in that direction that Superman and Wonder Woman are the new world's finest since I I just I'm not seeing any connection between John and uh Tim or Jace Fox. Um but I'm interested. I'm interested in this story for sure. Next up, we have Future State Justice League number two. Speaking of that pairing, uh, this is written by Joshua Williamson and uh, Ram V with art by Marcio Takara and Robson Roca, as well as Daniel Henriquez. Uh, this was very interesting. I'm not sure where it's going, <laughs> to be honest, but I'll, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I was equally intrigued by both the main book as well as the Justice League Dark backup. Really, really dug it. So let's just go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Exiled to a distant planet, the Justice League suspects an imposter in their midst, but not even the next Batman or Green Lantern can find the clues they're looking for. Meanwhile, on Earth, the terrifying return of a classic Justice League villain may spell doom for the planet. Doppelgangers abound, paranoia runs rampant, and only the Justice League can save humanity, if they can ever find their way home. 
Plus, all the world's terrible truths are revealed as the Justice League Dark make their last stand. Hunted, beaten, and harvested for their magic, Zatanna, John Constantine, Detective Chimp, Ragman, Madame Xanadu, and Etrigan all unleash a desperate plan that could destroy them. But is it worth the cost to finish Mad Merlin and his mysterious knights? Only Dr. Fate knows, and the truth may spell hope or doom. So yeah, um, high-stakes stuff, really enjoy it. I love the doppelganger story in the main Justice League book as well. I love this roster. I really wish we were getting more than two issues with this roster. I really dig it. And the Justice League Dark story was surprising. I've never been a huge Justice League Dark guy. I can appreciate it. Um, but I, I loved the story that they put forward with these characters. So definitely looking forward to this. Next up, we have American Vampire, 1976, number five. This is written by Scott Snyder with art by Raphael Albuquerque. It's, if you're an American Vampire fan, like, I don't need to convince you on this. This book has been so great so far. It's touching on every single past arc of the series, and it feels like a true culmination of all of it. So let's just go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Skinner, Pearl, Book, and the rest of the team are finally united in their mission to stop the Beast from world domination. But the missing key to their success is protected by a council of preeminent ancestral monsters with an axe to grind. These are the progenitors of some of the world's most iconic folkloric species, and the victims of a broken American promise. Desperate for the council's assistance, Skinner's crew becomes a captive audience to their tale of betrayal. But the chillin' insight saps all hope of recruiting their help. With only a few days to, to spare before terror is unleashed, the team must convince the legends that humanity is worth preserving, and that history may still bend toward redemption. So yeah, uh, last issue ended up with them finding like essentially the Council of Universal Monsters, <laughs> but I'm I'm really interested because this is of course going to be kind of a backstory issue, but. I'm interested to see what this American, the, this broken American promise is about. So definitely looking forward to this. Next up, we have an interesting one. Uh, this is Radiant Black number one. This is uh, written by Kyle Higgins with art by Marce Marcelo Costa. This is another image book. Another image book to sidle up right next to um, uh, Firepower. I know it's technically Skybound, but... Either way, uh, I'm a huge Kyle Higgins fan. I really dig the stuff that he's done uh, for the big two as well as his Power Rangers stuff. Uh, if you're a Power Rangers fan, then Kyle Higgins is the writer for you because he has been absolutely killing it with the Power Rangers property for the last uh, five years, maybe more. Um, and this is promising to be something really cool. This is an original character, an original IP, and he has been promoting the hell out of it uh, on Twitter and all social medias for a while now. And... You know, if it's anything to go by with his previous works, especially his Nightwing run, uh, rightfully so. I'm very excited to check this out. I know I don't cover a whole lot of indie books, and I'm hoping to uh, change that as we go along. But it's it's going to be, you know, baby steps into that world. So, uh, but let's just go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. For fans of Invincible and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comes a brand new ongoing series from acclaimed writer Kyle Higgins and artist Marcelo Costa that reinvents superheroes for a new generation. 
Nathan Burnett has just turned 30, and things aren't great. He's working and failing at two jobs, his credit card debt is piling up, and his only move is moving back home with his parents. But when Nathan discovers and unlocks the ethereal cosmic radiant, he's given the power to radically change his fortunes. There's just one problem. The powers don't belong to him, and the cosmic beings who created them want them back by any means necessary. So yeah, that's pretty freaking cool. Um, I love that. And maybe it's because I'm approaching 30 and uh, 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 way too soon. But um, I'm very excited about this. This looks really cool. And with Invincible hype at an all-time high, and if you're looking for another new uh, superhero IP to jump into, this might be the one for you. Next up, jumping back into Future State, it's Future State Teen Titans number two. This is written by Tim Sheridan with art by Rafa Sandoval. I really enjoyed um the first issue of this, I wish that they hadn't spoiled that uh, last page reveal of Nightwing essentially becoming the new Deathstroke in the promo material. That's something that bothers me about a lot of like uh, marketing for especially superhero stuff in the in recent years. Um, they spoil their own stuff just to get people to read it, which. I don't know. It bothers me, but it's still a cool uh, moment, and I'm hoping that we get more uh, more secrets revealed in this issue. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Red X returns to the Teen Titans. The mysterious former Teen Titans Academy student joins the surviving Titans in a final fight to stop the threat unleashed by one of the school's students. Nightwing, Raven, Crush, Shazam, Starfire, Psybeast, and Red Arrow face their demons as one of these heroes must make the ultimate sacrifice to save their world. So yeah, uh, stakes at an all-time high. Really interested in these characters. Can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have Future State Dark Detective number three. This is written, of course, by Mariko Tamaki and Matthew Rosenberg with art by Dan Mora and Carmine de Dijian Domenico. I'm sorry. I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> um, but this is going to be in a very interesting issue, if anything, uh, if this cover is anything to go by i've been really enjoying the last two issues um the first issue had the backup of grifters with matthew rosenberg i enjoyed it uh but i mean it's matthew rosenberg so i'm absolutely going to be in in on it regardless um the backup issue for last issue which was uh, red hood was also very interesting but didn't quite catch my attention yet i'm hoping that with issue four the red hood series continues especially now that we know that that story is going to continue on in the future state gotham book but um i'm very interested in the bruce wayne story so let's just go ahead and dive into the synopsis here dark detective chapter three slash grifters part two in this issue bruce wayne meets the next batman as the dark detective makes his move to put an end to the villainous magistrate once and for all, the man who once wore the cowl encounters the next Batman, and these two have some questions for each other. Fists will fly as this explosive meeting erupts in the skies over Gotham, but with the clock ticking, can Bruce finish what he started and unlock the secrets of the fascist surveillance that plagues his city? 
And in Grifta's Part 2, the lucky streak that Cole Cash and Luke Fox have enjoyed just hit a brick wall in the form of the Huntress. The over-the-top adventure in the gutters of Gotham City concludes in the most bone-crushing fashion possible. So yeah, super interested in this. This is definitely one to pay attention to, especially with that uh, Detective Comics team of Mariko Tamaki and Dan Mora really getting a shine uh, going forward here. Next up, we have Daredevil number 27. This is written, of course, by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cicchetto and Mike Hawthorne. Uh, Last issue was fantastic, uh, which it always has been. I was worried, you know, when I talked about uh, it as part of uh, the comics countdown that it was going to kind of veer off into King and Black since it is a tie-in. And even though this is part two of that tie-in, I'm still very interested. Um, they've done it in a way that gets me very interested in what they're going to do with not just the tie-in here, but with uh, the story going forward. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The Black Kitchen, part two. Ensnared in the web, as New York begins to crack under the weight of Null's symbiotic assault, Matt Murdock has a crisis of faith in the most electrifying issue of Chip Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto's groundbreaking daredevil run yet. But this time, they're joined by none other than Mike Hawthorne spearheading a brutal story that pits Daredevil against the god-king of the symbiotes himself. No. So yeah, I'm really interested in this. This is going to be a good time for sure. But finally, of course, the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is Future State Robin Eternal number two. I know, and I don't care, this is the big book of the week for me. Written by Megan Fitzmartin with art by Eddie Barrows. The first issue was amazing. I loved it every single second. I am sad that we're only getting a second issue out of this, but hopefully... We are going to get more of a Tim Drake spotlight going forward. Fingers crossed. But we'll just have to see. But let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Robin Eternal Part 2. Tim Drake is dead at the hands of the Magistrate. Wait. So why is he getting back up again? With the dangerous and supercharged Lazarus resin coursing through the veins of the hero once known as Robin, can Tim recover enough of his fragile psyche to finish the mission and blow the sky convoy? And can Spoiler and Darcy escape the clutches of Peacekeeper 03 in time to save their friend in the process? It all comes to a head in this cataclysmic finale. So yeah, loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, Tim, as you can hear in the synopsis, Tim Drake died and then was brought back by the Lazarus Resin. So I am really excited to see what kind of implications this has for the rest of the story. So that does it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we have Future State Superman Wonder Woman number two, Future State Justice League number two, American Vampire 1976 number five, Radiant Black number one, Future State Teen Titans number two, Future State Dark Detective number three, Daredevil number 27, and Future State Robin Eternal number two. 
And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us here on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, please feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice and also feel free to give us a rating and review. Uh, Subscriptions, ratings really help me out, really helps the podcast out, raises up our stock in the podcasting space and gets us into the orbit of listeners just like you. We release new episodes every single Wednesday and we're approaching three our three year anniversary we're approaching 150 episodes and i'm very proud of the podcast and i can't i can't wait to see where we go next um also if you feel so inclined to give us a five-star rating and review on itunes apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it i will read your review here on the podcast you can join the likes of our four horsemen that being seafire nd matt draper josh from panels to pixels and burrito man 88 want to tip my hat and thank you thank them for uh, their reviews, and I can't wait to hear yours. Uh, Also, if you want to connect with me, connect with the podcast, feel free to follow us on uh, the social medias, Twitter and Instagram, at Pod. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, uh, participate in polls, deciding different episodes, and also talk with me about the latest geek culture stuff going on. We've been talking a lot about the about WandaVision recently. We were geeking out over the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer this past uh this past weekend so if you want to connect with me that is the place to do it also if you want to uh write us an email feel free and have it featured on the podcast uh feel free to write us at geeksplained pot or sorry feel free to write to us to write your emails to geeksplain at gmail.com and put mailbag in the subject header uh, and i will read it here if you want to get my opinion on something uh quick pitch if you have a question you need clarification if you want like a recommend a quick recommended reading uh feel free i love answering emails on here um and that's something that i uh just makes my day when I get new email for this. So uh, feel free to do that. Uh, also, quick reminder, we are currently doing a, uh, a Geeksplain Extra series to lead up to the Snyder Cut releasing next month. We just released the last or the first two episodes this past Sunday for um, uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. I, along with my co-hosts Chris Carter and Andrew Kincaid from the Scripts and Screams and Artistic Liberties podcast, respectively, uh, are going through our uncut, unedited feelings on the DCEU in a series that we're calling Into the Snyderverse. So every Sunday leading up to the release of the Snyder Cut on HBO Max, I'll be dropping two episodes this coming uh this coming Sunday, which is uh, Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day for, to all you cool cats and kittens. Uh, but this Sunday, we're going to be releasing the episodes for Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman. And oh boy, do we have a lot of feelings on those movies. <laughs> so uh, go back in the feed, um, check those out. We'll, like I said, we'll be dropping two episodes each Sunday. Uh we're excited. I'm really excited. I love talking about anything superheroes and getting to uh, get the perspectives of these two guys who I respect very much is uh, it's just a real, real fun time. So join us, won't you? But that is going to do it for this week's episode. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of the Geeksplain podcast. Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for Geeksplain, this is Eric Azana. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, and we will see you next time. Bye.